This past Friday, we had our Blue Point Bible Church semi-annual meeting. I was afforded the opportunity to vision cast. Vision casting is done by praying through the purpose of our church, along with consideration of all that is going on in the world. And of course, a seeking of the Lord's will and intent for his church. We might say vision casting is our time to highlight our aspirations with a godly discernment regarding our influence in the world. This is important. As we read in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, that a people without vision perish. My goal this morning is to share some of the details of that vision and to inspire you a bit more intentionally with what God is doing in and through you as he builds you up as a disciple of his, as well as what God is doing corporately in and through us as a congregation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that my words are your words, that you are given all the glory, Lord, that this message goes forth, encouraging us in sound doctrine, rebuking those who oppose it, allowing us to find our place in you, Lord, growing in conformity to your image, Lord, so that you would be glorified in all things. Go before us this morning. Prepare our minds and our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I want to begin with two quotes that I'm going to be emphasizing throughout this message. One is by somebody I imagine many of us have heard of, Henry Blackaby, classic author. He said, his purpose, meaning God's purpose, for the church was to continue what he began with Israel. God wants to redeem a lost world. So what we're highlighting is that whatever God began with Israel was intended to redeem a lost world. And we're going to take a look at a verse here in a moment that's going to highlight that. However, building on top of that, Alan Hirsch, a popular missiologist you'll be hearing a lot, a lot about in the next six months as we go through discipleship here at Blue Point. Alan Hirsch said this, It is not so much that the church has a mission, it's that the mission of God has a church. You see, more often than not, you hear people talk about the church's mission. No, the church is a community of people that have been elected, preordained, foreordained, and sent out to complete the mission of God. Catch the power of that this morning. So let's find out. If the church is that which is doing the mission of God, and the mission of God began with Israel and was intended to redeem a lost world, let's find out what's going on here and how we play our part. If you'd like to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4 on page 188 of the Pew Bible. Here in Deuteronomy 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and to the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of the Father of your fathers, is giving to you. Keep in mind, let's place emphasis on going in, taking possession of the land. I'm sorry, that you may live, go in, and take possession of the land. So the people of God are called to move into what God has prepared for them and take possession of it. We might say have dominion. You cannot add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it. 
that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord had done in case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, that false god, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who hold fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, this is Moses speaking, that you should do thus in the land you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as to the, as do the as is the Lord God whenever we call on him. Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourselves and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and you do not depart from your heart all the days of your life and that that they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. So, the people of God are called to and commissioned to go in, live, and take possession of that which God has prepared for them. Today we're going to highlight that the, the land was a picture of the greater reality, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that is not of this world, that is not a geographical place on the planet. The kingdom of God, that which is provided through Jesus Christ, is what God has truly prepared for his people and is that which he has commanded us to go in, live in, and take possession of. We are not at liberty to add to God's teachings. We know that he has taught us statutes and judgments that make us a wise and understanding people. And this seems to correlate beautifully to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 regarding the man who listens to his teachings and puts them into practice is like the wise man that has built this house upon the rock. That way when storms come, when trials and tribulations and persecutions come, that man may be established and his house will not fall and be shattered and sent out into the ocean. That man will remain. That man will not go after idols as did those of Baal Peor, but that man will know his foundation, his truth, his God. And in doing that, the people of God will display a God of wisdom and understanding, will display themselves as a people of wisdom and understanding. They will show the nations a God that is near to his people, a God that can be known by his people. And a God who has great statutes, judgments, and teachings. Teachings that you would teach to further generations. Amen? I believe that has begun our journey into knowing what it is Israel was called to do. To live as an example to the nations around them. To compel the nations. To implore the nations to come in to the good things God is doing. In what God has prepared for his people that would provide love, joy, peace, righteousness, all that the nations long for. Dare I bring in more contemporary terms such as healing. The kingdom of God brings healing. The kingdom of God brings sanity to a world that is completely chaotic. The kingdom of God brings peace to a world that is war-torn, that is beat up and destroyed 
and broken down. The kingdom of God brings encouragement. The kingdom of God brings reason for being. That's what we're called to do. This all goes along with what I had already provided as our core vision back at the beginning of the year in our annual meeting, which is that we, the Blue Point Bible Church, express a thinking faith. Our core vision is what we naturally display. We, as a church, we naturally possess and express a thinking faith, a faith that is not built upon whims, desires, and thoughts of the mind of man, that is not built upon the teachings and traditions and understandings of man. A thinking faith is a faith that is built upon thinking through, proving, and holding fast to that which is good and true and holy and noble and edifying. Thinking through those things, applying them faithfully to our lives, living out those things faithfully, rather than clinging to anything that is false. Gary E. Gilley, a popular author and pastor said this Christianity is designed by God to be a thinking faith Oz Guinness, another popular author believes we are a generation that has dumbed down everything that is important to the level of bumper stickers and hallmark cards and we are suffering the consequences one revealing bumper sticker of the type Guinness has in mind reads there is no right or wrong, only fun or boring yet God desires people to consider reason analyze and study he has given us his word in propositional form a word that must be carefully dissected if it is to be understood to allow ourselves to be pressed into the world's mold of entertainment of leaning upon their own understanding of false teachings of idolatry without careful reflection based on scripture is a terrible loss we express that here at the blue point bible church holding fast searching the scriptures Studying the scriptures, holding fast to that which is good, proving all things, examining everything carefully. But now I want to take us a little bit further into that. So yes, a thinking faith indeed. But what's important about a thinking faith is what J. Herbert Cain highlighted. And listen to this. God is a missionary God. The Bible is a missionary book. The gospel is a missionary message. The church is a missionary institution. And when the church ceases to be missionally minded, it has denied its faith and betrayed its trust. Anything we possess and express corporately here while we're gathered together, we must desire and strive to live out out corporately and individually throughout the week when we leave here. Amen? It's about time we get that sign up above the door where it's going to say, you are now entering the mission field. Because this is not the mission. Coming to church and learning and growing here is not the mission. The mission must be grow and go. I want to go back to that quote by J. Herbert Cain. When we become a people that are so insulated that we do not express the truth of our message to a world that so desperately needs it, We have denied our faith and betrayed what has been entrusted to us. Catch the power of that this morning. So, at this semi-annual meeting this last Friday, I shared about growing and going. 
what we need to be doing corporately as a community as well as individually. And I challenge you this morning to begin thinking about those things. Where do you need to grow individually? Where do you need to grow? Where do you believe we need to grow corporately? Where do you need to go individually? Who are the people that God has blessed you with in your life that he's calling you to bless with the gospel? Maybe who are those people corporately that we need to be reaching? Let's talk about growing. A word that's been on my mind lately in thinking about our church, and you've heard me say it numerous times in various of our studies and teachings, is maximize. That we want to maximize on our time, maximize on our resources, maximize, maximize. And sure enough, this morning I looked into the definition of maximize, and it said to make as large and as great as possible. Amen. That's what we want to do here. We want to make our resources as large and as great as possible. We want to make our time as large, meaning we want to make full use of it, and as great as possible. Perfectly, you feel like that in your life. You want to maximize on your experience of life. The purpose of this church shall be to make disciples, that is to produce mature believers, and to evangelize the lost. That is what the purpose of this church is according to the Blue Point Bible Church Constitution. So we want to make sure, we want to maximize on our discipleship in producing mature believers. We want to maximize on how we are to evangelize to the lost. Producing the great message of God to the lost. Many of you may remember, on Father's Day, I had preached a message using 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as the go-to text. And I'm going to turn there and highlight something in that message. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, we read the Apostle Paul and Silvanus and Timothy's letter to the church at Thessalonica, and they say this, Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom who calls you, worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Well, that's us. Again, that was that first century Thessalonica church that the Apostle Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy had planted. However, we are an extension of that community, and we've been exhorted, encouraged, and implored to father the gospel into the world. Encourage, I mean exhort, let's start with exhort. Exhort, those three words. To exhort the world is to tell them the gospel, to make it known. To encourage is to encourage the world, to encourage them to come into the good news, the graciousness of God. You know, it's... More often than not, Christians are discouraging the world and discouraging one another. There's many communities that are meeting this morning that are being discouraged. Believers are being discouraged. That's not our job. Our job is to exhort, to encourage, and to implore, to charge the saints and the world in regards to the gospel so that we would all live in a manner worthy of God who calls us into his kingdom. We're not pretending the whole world's ever going to do that, but that is our charge in the world. Anything we do here, if we exhort, encourage, and implore one another to live worthy of the gospel, we need to be doing that out there. Another text that's important is Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Many of you have heard me bring this verse up in regards to my calling. However, I want to make this very clear this morning. We are all ministers of the gospel. So, a minister is a servant of the gospel. If we're all servants of the gospel, according to Titus chapter 1, verse 9, 
We are all called to encourage the world in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who oppose it. We sure need to know the truth in order to do that, amen? It's awfully hard to exhort the world in a message or in a truth or to stand upon a foundation that we do not know ourselves. It's kind of hard to encourage the world with things that we're not encouraged by. It's kind of hard to charge the world to do things that we are not doing. And I'll tell you what, it's definitely hard to encourage the world in sound doctrine if we do not know what sound doctrine is. And it's also just as well, just as hard to rebuke a world of false doctrine if we don't know what false doctrine is and how to identify it. So, in this next season here at Blue Point Bible Church, you will be afforded various opportunities to really see the thinking faith we talk about at work. The sermon series will be designed around thinking and sharing important aspects of the knowledge of God. We will truly think through the things we learn and discuss ways to go about evangelizing with these truths. And we will implement a new strategy for discipleship. I love what Alan Hirsch has noted here. I'm just going to read it. Reactivating the original intelligence and capacity of the body of Christ. The original intelligence. What we were originally designed to be. The people of wisdom and understanding. And a capacity, the, the capabilities of the church. We're going to reactivate those things here in our own midst. We'll be using resources from the missional church. Namely, resources from Alan Hirsch. And he makes great and challenging points like this. To encounter Christ, the head, one will need to encounter the body of Christ. For they are indivisible. The body of Christ is the immediate recipient, the living index of the life and ministry of Jesus. So, I know I'm not the only one that's heard people say, I don't think I need to go to church. This week alone, I heard at least four people tell me they don't need to go to church. Well, let's talk about that this morning. If the church is the immediate recipient, the living index, the life and ministry of Jesus, where God dwells in and through our community, we're actually going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning, wherein we celebrate that God is found here in the midst of the body of believers. We don't go to church. We gather as the church. We are the body of Christ. It's not a location. It's not a place. It's us, the people of God. However... How often are we coming together to encourage, implore, and exhort one another in regards to the things of God? How often should we do it? Well, in Scripture, we have the example of meeting on the first day of the week. So why not continue? Why not provide the world with an opportunity, at least once a week, to come into contact with the body of Christ? So yes, you do need to go to church. Not forsaking the assembly that encourages saints in good doctrine and good works. To walk worthy of our gathering here at Blue Point Bible Church, in the next couple months, a couple things we're going to be doing. We have a sermon series called Outlining Wickedness starting next Sunday. And in that sermon series, again, I've invited everybody to bring your friends and your family because we're going to give out free copies of the book Wicked. So in that series, we're going to go through the chapters of wickedness uh, uh, and we're going through the chapters of wicked, and we're going to look at all the different examples of wickedness and how we can truly remove, identify and remove wickedness from among us. I imagine that's an important message the world needs to hear, amen? Something we need to grow into and go out there and exhort the world with, to encourage the world with, to implore the world with. And then Things Christians Say will be a series we're going to begin in 2017. I don't know about many of you, if you've seen the YouTube series or the YouTube videos about any people group or identity group that you can think of that has says, you know, things blank say. And uh, usually it's mocking. 
And I know I'm not the only Christian in the room that has heard Christians say things that are not in Scripture. That you wonder, where did they get that teaching from? We want to identify those things, and we want to say the things that Christians are called to say. Amen? And then we have various study sessions and topics that will always encourage you to grow. And I'm always encouraging us to invite other people to. So many of you may be thinking at this point, yes, Pastor Mike, I understand what you're saying about evangelizing and telling the world they need to come to church, but I'm not called to go out there and to exhort, encourage, and implore the world. I don't know that I feel called to do that. I want to share with you a quote from William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, to give you a little bit more appreciation as you go up Blue Point Avenue toward Montauk Highway this morning when you leave church and you see that Salvation Army church sitting there on the right-hand side. Listen to William Booth, the founder. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. And then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. If you do not feel called, that's simply because you have not heard the call. The call is there. Let's talk about going a little bit this morning. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn there and read that text to us. Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read verses 16 through 20. Here, after Jesus has died, been buried, and resurrected, He's there with the saints for 40 days, and he, this is what happens. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountains which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Yeah, I imagine some are doubtful this morning about that call to go into the world. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and teach and baptize. Go and make disciples and baptize. We're not talking about making believers. You see, I, I know a popular author that says believers are a dime a dozen. What we are called to do is make disciples. Disciples are those that are growing into what they believe and then moving in faith, meaning actually acting upon their belief system being consistent in regards to what they believe and how they act. That's faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things hoped for. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. The substance of things hoped for. That's a disciple. That's what we're called to do. Make disciples. Mature believers according to our constitution. Not make believers. So now that we go and we make disciples and we baptize them, meaning we allow them to submit to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through that baptism moment there, that's a conversation in and of itself. Good news is that we do believe in election, so we believe that the salvific moment happens way before 
you get immersed into water. However, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, meaning we bring people into this glorious new covenant body through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we teach, the, we teach disciples, we teach those that come into contact with us, the church, the teachings of Jesus Christ, all that we have been commanded, all that we know as friends of God. More often than not, this great commission that we're reading here has been called the great omission. That the church simply does not walk in it. We become entertainment clubs, we become social clubs, we become everything but the people that are called to make disciples and baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The great omission. In Revelation chapter 21 through 22, we read another beautiful image of how the disciples of Christ are called to work. That there's those outside the gates. I don't know about you, but when I look at the world, it doesn't take me very long to figure out the, where the fires of hell are. I'm not talking about the underworld, the abyss that you know many speak of where you go and you die. Well, hopefully none of us, amen. But I'm not speaking about that reality. I'm speaking about the reality of hell right outside our doors. There are people living in hell right here in this community. You know, that popular uh, way of thinking in our world today is that, you know, you can make heaven and hell on earth. And, I, you know, I'm not far from agreeing with that philosophy. So when I talk about people saving people out of hell, I'm talking about the people right here in my community that are stuck. And they're outside the gates of the kingdom of God. They cannot seem to find the peace, righteousness, and joy, clarity, and sanity, and healing that they're longing for. Because they're outside the gates. However, our job is to invite them in, to go out and to bring them in and to urge them to drink of the water of life, which is the grace of God, Jesus Christ. That's our role in the world. To go out there and be a people that are inviting people into the kingdom of God. I'll tell you, I boast about our church a lot. If we're allowed to boast about our God and the church is the body of our God, why wouldn't we boast about that as well? Amen? Not one week goes by that I am not afforded an opportunity to boast about the amazing, gracious, glorifying, God-glorifying things that are done here at Blue Point Bible Church. I'll tell you one example from this week, maybe two. Yesterday I was in an Uber, and my driver, I get in the car, and some strange things, I'll tell you, definitely the work of God. Uh, I get in the car, and the guy says to me, out of about two minutes in the car, he says, what do you do for a living? I said, I am a pastor. You know, I, I obviously wanted to ask him, who talked to you? Who told you? Did you meet somebody before I got in the car? <laughs> you know, so um, he says, uh, oh, you're a pastor. I'm an Orthodox Christian. So now, obviously, we've opened up a door. I'm like, yes, I'm here for a reason. So we begin talking. We begin dialoguing. And this brother expressed some interesting things to me, some of his frustrations with the church. And he brought up a multitude of examples about drinking, that the church has, you know, all the different teachings and things that Christians have said about drinking, drinking alcohol we're talking about here or tattoos, or how Christians, whether or not Christians are allowed to have luxuries, such as a nice watch, a nice car, etc. How people are, you know, to uh, assemble, and what this assembly should look like. He said, it doesn't, nobody ever sounds very graceful. Nobody ever sounds very welcoming. Or maybe we'll use the word that we read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, encouraging. Again, there's a lot of people that are going to church this morning that are being discouraged in assemblies rather than being encouraged as we are called to do. And then we began to talk about the son. He said to me, he said, yeah, there's a story in scripture, right, about the son that left his father's house. And when he came back, his father was graceful to him. And I began to think. I said, yeah, the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. 
let's look at that. Let's talk about that story here for a moment. So the son goes, takes his inheritance, squanders it, right? Just goes out, says to his father, you know, I, yeah, I like what's going on here. I'm in your house. I'm eating the fine foods. I'm going out and doing work. But I want you to just give me my inheritance and let me leave. And I'm going to go do my own thing with it. Sounds like the world. God has created the kingdom of God where they'll find love, peace, righteousness, and joy. However, most of our world is dead set on doing it their way, taking their inheritance, squandering it somewhere else. So what does this man end up doing? Ends up feeding pigs, one of the most disgusting and blasphemous you know, uh, things to do. They could, Jews couldn't even touch pigs, nevertheless clean up after them and feed them. No. So... This man ends up feeding pigs. And I know a lot of people in, in my life, and I challenge you to begin thinking about those people in your life that are feeding pigs, find themselves in these desperate situations because they've squandered their inheritance, so to speak. So then this, you know, again, highlighting, making this analogy to our world. So then when the children come home, how does the father react? Does he punish them and get mad and frustrated? Because that's carnality. As I talked about the story with someone Last evening, they said to me, oh, yeah, I would definitely be mad. I would, you know, kick them out, tell them, go away. You know, you wanted your inheritance. Now you have it your way. The father comes running to that man. The father comes running out, even willing to humiliate himself as they wore those overcoats, that, that outer garment. And when that outer garment, when a man would run, it would go up and it would reveal his nakedness, meaning even just the bottom of his legs was considered the nakedness in that culture. And this father runs out there, humiliates himself to embrace his son in love and to invite him back into the house where he will give him the best things. Is that how we, the church, act to those that are coming home? Do we encourage them and be willing to humiliate humiliate ourselves to run out there and meet them and bring them back into the house? Are we doing that? Again, we're building on top of that fathering the gospel in the world. We must grow and go because this reality is not being lived out. I want to flip that around and highlight something else that's important to us as a congregation. Many of us have talked about we want to grow as a community, right? And not necessarily grow in numerical you know, uh, ways. However, we want to grow in regards to our influence in the world. If it's God's will that we stay a 20-person community and our influence is great in the world, I'll take that over having, you know, a thousand people and very little influence. If we go, we will grow. If we go and do the mission of God, people will hear and will know all that we are commanded to tell them. So in closing this morning, I want to challenge us with a thinking exercise we're going to do at the end of every sermon to really make sure we're growing and we're going. Also, I want to highlight the verses I had brought up during this sermon this morning. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, we talked about how we are called to go in and take possession of the kingdom. That's an area for you to grow right now. Ask yourself, do I know what the kingdom of God is and do I, am I intentionally growing in that kingdom? Am I taking possession of what God has prepared? Are you exhorting other people to do so? Maybe think about somebody this morning that you need to exhort in regards to what we, the people of God, have, the kingdom of God. 
Maybe use the back of your bulletin and write down a name or a person that you're thinking of. Maybe areas you need to grow as well as people you need to go to. Using that same text in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Do you know somebody that maybe needs to see that the people of God, the church of God, is a people of wisdom and understanding? Maybe you need to grow in that regard yourself. Maybe you know somebody that needs to see a God that is near to us. Needs to understand that concept. Needs to know the statutes and the teachings of our mighty God so that they would see our God as truly glorious. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, we read about exhorting, encouraging, and imploring the world. Imploring the church and the world. Do you know anybody that needs to be exhorted in regards to the gospel? Do you know anybody that needs to be encouraged? I know everybody in the room knows somebody that needs to be encouraged because there's a lot of discouraged people out there. Do you know anybody that needs to be charged in regards to what God has for us and what he wants for us? Maybe a Christian brother or sister that needs to be charged in order to walk worthy. Needs to be implored to walk worthy of the call that we have before us so that they would walk worthy of the God who has called us into his kingdom and glory. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. I know everybody in the room knows somebody that needs to be encouraged in sound doctrine and rebuked possibly if they have a false doctrine. I know it's tricky to rebuke the world, but begin thinking about who are these people that God has placed into your life that he intentionally wants you to grow for so that you can go to. Again, we're going to have many upcoming sermon series that are going to highlight. Maybe you know somebody you need to invite to church for one of these sermon series. Do you know anybody that's living in hell? Remember that William Booth quote? Do you know anybody that's living in the, in the fires of hell right now that you need to be listening to and entreating them to come into the glorious grace of Jesus Christ? And if you don't know anybody like these things, you need to go into the world a bit more. You're too insulated. Do you know anybody that needs to be taught and baptized? Maybe even teaching somebody about baptism. Do you know anybody that needs to receive the grace of God to drink of the water of life? Who is God bringing to mind right now? Write their names on your paper. Begin being a people that are growing and going. Amen? Do you know any prodigal sons? People that need to be welcomed home? Maybe they need you to kind of run out there and be humiliated for the sake of bringing them in and showing them the goodness of God. We desperately need to walk worthy of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for going before us this morning, Lord, readying our minds and our hearts to be focused on you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to grow in your kingdom that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of God so that we may go and walk worthy of all that you have commissioned us in regards to, Lord. That we would move in the mission of God as a church that has been called to do so, Lord. Give us the perseverance, the encouragement, the knowledge, Lord, the wisdom to go about our mission, to see you glorified, your kingdom manifested, and wickedness removed from among us. Thank you for your riches and your grace and your glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.